Hi everyone, how are you going? Great. Yep. Was that good? No? Yep. Quiet. It's okay to be feel, feel quiet sometimes. Um, I was just thinking then as Steve was praying how awesome it is to be able to celebrate this tradition of communion um, and looking at the life Jesus lived, the perfect life that he laid down for us and took the punishment we deserved. It's an awesome thing. Um, before I start talking, I might um, open with some prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that uh, you can speak through me tonight uh, and you'll speak powerful words to us, um, teach us truths that you want us to hold dear um, and things to transform us, Lord. And I just ask that as we go out into our weeks and try to live out these things that you can help us with your spirit to do so uh, and remind us um, of the, the war that rages on, Lord, that we struggle sometimes to be part of. Amen. I'm going to drop some common words to you right now. Ready? Internet, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, smartphones, iPads, laptops and desktop computers. <clears throat> New worlds for us to explore and the portals we use to enter into them. It's estimated that right now there's 2 billion iPhones in use. Not iPhones, sorry, smartphones. That's a big difference. 2 billion smartphones people are using globally. And 50% of people between the ages of 18 to 25 go on Facebook when they wake up in the morning. Like in bed, that's the first thing they do. Log into Facebook. And it's predicted that there will be 26 billion smart devices owned by 2020. Things like um, phones, watches, tablets, all these personal computers that we own. And obviously from that statistic that tells you that people will own multiple devices, not just one thing each. This is our world right now. Whether you like it or you hate it, it is the way it is. So tonight I want to have a, a good look at the circumstance we face and as Christians, what it is we ought to be doing in response to that. So I want to start by looking at some of the good sides to these new technologies that we have. I'm going to emphasise the first word here, can. These things can help in developing social skills. They can connect people that were previously had a barrier preventing interaction with someone else, for example, distance or going to a different school. The word can again, they can assist with school by keeping students connected to discuss schoolwork. Through these devices we can share things like artistic endeavours. I recommend going home and googling insane Minecraft creations. It'll blow your mind, it's amazing. These devices can help young people become connected with people that can help them through things like blogs, for example. Say, someone who's overcome an eating disorder, um, now kids can access that information, see at least the light at the end of the tunnel or at least realise they've got to get some help, maybe. can help young people feel connected to and an interactive part of the greater community they're in. can bring experience in using skills that are becoming more integral in life. It can train people in things like problem solving. 
and also opens up for more education through things like YouTube, Wikipedia, Google and Google Scholar and so on. Obviously though we're well aware that there's a very negative side to these new technologies. Privacy issues is a big one. Peer pressure in these new environments. Access to inappropriate content. Manipulative marking, that's becoming a big issue. Things like stalking, bullying, sexting, or a new one I learnt as I prepared this talk, Facebook depression. The, the clinical thing that is depression, so, scientists have found by studying people that some people can get a triggered depression through using Facebook, like being up late at night. They start getting the um, characteristics of having clinical depression. So that, that, that is now Facebook depression is a clinical term. A digital footprint. That's the thing catching up on people even right now. Once it's out there, it's out there for good. Unassisted access to misinformation. Sounds complicated, but that's things like young people accessing conspiracy thing around vaccines or something like that, and now we have an epidemic as a result. Unrealistic role models. Inappropriate relationships, for example, really old guy, underage girl. Superficial relationships, people putting the best of themselves out there and hiding the reality. And then the two obvious big ones, distraction and time wasting. <clears throat> Curiosity and peer pressure drove me to find certain things on the internet I wish I'd never seen. I'd hear someone talking about something gross they found on the internet and I had to go home and look it up myself, only to regret it. It also opened the door for me easily accessing porn and that's a major one these days. On the other side though, it gave me access to an education I would have otherwise never got. And I saw people with the same burning curiosity I had, for example about space, and that encouraged me to pursue learning about these things that I really enjoy. And I've got to learn a lot about God's amazing universe as a result. And it has also connected me to websites like Bible Gateway or Bible Study Tools and many other resources that help me study and at greater length, depth, sorry, understand God's Word in ways that I wouldn't have been able to before. I have access to things like commentaries, sermons, concordances, list goes on, and they're free and I have access to it 24-7 if I'm that hardcore. So what do we make of this whole topic if you're a younger person, perhaps you're feeling excited about all the potential that's in front of you. Maybe you're old enough now to have had some good experiences and bad experiences of this new environment that we find ourselves in. Or maybe you're older yet again, enough, older enough to feel a little bit left behind uh, and struggling to get a grip on what's taking place and what your response to it ought to be. Despite what we feel about this whole thing based on our different circumstances we come from. I just want to make one clear point. It's the same old struggle humans have had for a very long time. Social media is new, but what it exposes is very old. We as humans have a tendency to point out the wrong in the world around us. Prime example, you take Hitler. He's the evilest person ever, right? Easy one. He's a, he's a scumbag. What a filthy person. The Kardashians, they are the epitome of 
being self-absorbed and superficial, right? Just pathetic, aren't they? Donald Trump embodies dishonesty, hypocrisy and greed and somehow he's running for president. It's all bad, isn't it? Evil is out there. Man, it's terrible. Look how crappy the world is. Unlike me. There's sexism, racism, bigotry. And we're happy to get annoyed at it when we see it in others. But we are usually quite reluctant to examine it in ourselves. Jesus puts a spin on this that's very different to how we usually talk about it. In fact, to word it more accurately, Jesus exposes truth where we've buried it. In Matthew 5 you read Jesus talking about this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Pretty full on words. He continues, you have, heard it said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What we see Jesus doing here is he's taking the commands God has given the Israelites long ago from being external, something that affected how they treated other people, to them having an internal application. They knew not to murder and the Pharisees were ticking all of these boxes. But avoiding the truth of the circumstance, it's not just a matter of what actions you commit, but the state of your heart. So he takes an external act requiring two people and brings it to just the individual acting on something in their own mind, out of what his heart desires. Jesus makes these matters about our hearts, not just calculated following of orders. God isn't about us mindlessly following the commands he gives us. He's about transforming us, making us new, fixing the brokenness found in all of us. Acknowledging that flaw in ourselves isn't usually easy. It's something we generally prefer to avoid. We need to acknowledge the state of ourselves and also act accordingly. In Mark you hear Jesus talking, saying these words, There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. His disciples asked him about this parable and he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For from within, out of a heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So our sinful nature can be fed by what we do or it can be left behind 
and we can walk in the new life that we've found in Christ. So even though this error we might find ourselves in can be frightening and at times we might think it all bad, we need to be careful though how we proceed. Satan wants us lost in the dark. God though calls us to walk in the light. We can allow ourselves to give in to our inner desires or we can choose to pursue the good that comes from God. This next bit's a little bit more of opinion, so take it with a grain of salt. I honestly don't think what people are doing now is significantly different to what people have done in the past. I'll base that claim in a minute. Because it's the same war that has raged on for a very long time. It's just this current battlefield is very different to the previous ones. In World War I, Indigenous Australians could fight and die for our country, yet not even be considered citizens of the country they were born in. World War II, Indigenous Australians still wouldn't get proper recognition of their service to this country. They wouldn't be given the property and entitlements white soldiers would get when they returned from service. Even as late as 1970, and when I looked this up, I was pretty surprised. As late as 1970, some Indigenous Australians were essentially slaves. The possibility of a 12-year-old working a 16-hour day for unfair pay. Was there a few people in this room alive during that time? This very recent. And World War I, that goes back to 1900s, yeah? We do... Sorry... There are no golden errors, only when you squint and pretend there was only good when there was bad and good. And we do no service to ourselves when we give in to Satan and pretend things aren't what they are. It's not the bad behaviour around us that is responsible for our poor behaviour, it is us. The verbal and physical abuse I dished out when I was at school was my fault. They were my choices I made. Situations come our way and we have a choice of acting in a way that brings glory to God and how good and kind he is or we reject him and act out of a desire found in our very own hearts. Some people who claim to be followers of Christ mistreated Indigenous Australians. They made a moral decision that didn't reflect Christ. This is why Jesus said what he did about these commandments that the Jews knew very well. He knew them better. They're about what is inside us. Obviously, we knew murder was bad. We didn't need God to tell us, it's obvious. What he didn't want, though, was our hearts to be filled with hatred, even for people like Donald Trump. That's not what he intended these hearts for. Again, you read... Jesus' words in Matthew 5, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. Notice there, the eye that causes you to sin and the hand that causes you to sin. Jesus doesn't say, your mate who egged you on, cast him aside, it's our own flesh that is corrupted. So say someone might be trying to quit smoking. Your average Aussie bloke goes to the pub every day after the work. After work, He's trying to quit smoking but when he goes to the pub there's obviously lots of people there smoking. 
And usually when he went there, he'd light up a cig and have a beer. So now, when he goes to have a beer, it's going to make him really want to light up and have a cigarette, isn't it? Especially with all that smoke around. So what he might have to do is stop going to the pub for a short while so that he can break this habit until he's got control over it, perhaps then go back to the pub. Now, for most of the people here, that's a bit of an unrealistic scenario. I doubt anyone here smokes regularly and goes to the pub every day. I bet, though, that there is people who use Facebook every night when they go to bed, though, or perhaps they text late into the night. It's a very common habit these days. So maybe you turn your phone off when you go to bed. I know my phone's alarm, because who doesn't use their phone as their alarm clock? Put your hand up. If you still use an alarm clock, <laughs> old people, classy. Oh. <laughs> oh, how do you live? Oh. Doesn't work for me. So perhaps you can just turn your phone off when you go to bed, so that you know you're not getting the Facebook messages endlessly, and you're like, Ooh. you know, that urge to to see what it at least says. Maybe turn it off, and if your phone, maybe you've got a less good iPhone and that doesn't work if the, the alarm doesn't work with the phone off. <laughs> Buy an alarm clock then maybe, yeah? The major problem with trying to fix problems like that though is the state of our heart. We often don't truly want to change. We can try all these great ways of using technology in a healthy way but unless we address the issue of our hearts we will fail and it will be a pointless endeavour anyway. No point following the commandments near perfect if you hate doing it and hate God. We should cast off the old ways of giving into our heart's desire because our heart's desire isn't always pure. But for these changes to take place, we need God to reshape our hearts and aim them at good things, the kind of acts he desires us to have. In Ezekiel you read, God make a promise to the prophet. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God actually wants us to live lives full of life, goodness and joy. We'll be missing it though with hearts like stone. So we depend on him working in us. Which means... Very often coming to him when we feel tempted and also coming to him when we've succumbed to temptation and laying it before him. Look God, I've got caught up again in this crap. Restore my heart let it not desire these things. As we walk through this journey of our lives, we are faced with countless moral decisions and the choices we make reflect the state our heart is in. So as you walk through this new environment, do you like the new profile pic some hot girl put up that's showing quite a lot of cleavage and just feed your lustful heart and maybe also fulfil her craving for self-worth? Or do you say, send her a message saying, look, you are very beautiful, but your self-worth is more than just your appearance. Each situation is an opportunity to act as Christ would or give in to our flaws. So the challenge I want to leave you with is let's take this new environment technology has brought about and instead of letting it divide us and bring us down, 
Why not make it work to grow his kingdom on this very earth and bring him glory? Let it be another avenue for us to lift people up when they are down. Spread the truth in a world full of deceit and manipulation. Enable people to get support when they otherwise might never have got the help they could desperately use. Let's let these things connect people and unite us with a common cause of good, the good of being part of his kingdom. I'll just finish with prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray that this message resounds with all of our hearts, that it leaves all of us longing to have hearts shaped like yours, Lord. Just ask that you help us all surrender them to you. Please, Lord, shape us. Give us hearts like yours that has compassion for the poor and those with the, that aren't as fortunate as us, Lord. Let us try to see the good in people and encourage that and seek to protect people and not do them harm. Help us, Lord, have hearts that don't just seek our selfish desires but seek to help other people, Lord. A lot of these things are habits, deep habits ingrained in us, Lord, and we desperately need your help to overcome them. Pray, Lord, as Christians that you help us lead in how we should use these technologies for good and not let them have such a negative effect on society, Lord. I just pray that we use this great opportunity of communication with everyone, Lord, that we share the amazing message of your gospel, the good news that we have, hope in you, Lord. Amen.